If you watch the news at all, you're familiar with the fact that actress Lori Loughlin was sentenced to two months in federal prison for her role in the college admissions scandal. She will serve two years of supervised release during which she must perform 100 hours of community service and pay a fine of $150,000. Her husband received five months in prison, a $250,000 fine, and 250 hours of community service. During the hearings, the U.S. District Judge Nathaniel Gorton, he addressed both defendants, and here's what he said, quote, Here you are, an admired, successful, professional actor with a long-lasting marriage, two apparently healthy, resilient children, more money than you could possibly need, and a beautiful home in sunny Southern California. You have a fairy tale life, and yet you stand before me a convicted felon. And for what? For the inexplicable desire to grasp even more. End quote. That's greed, the desire to grasp for more or to long for what you've not been given. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10 says this, Whoever loves money never has enough. And that's what Jesus is getting at in Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 to 24. Here's what it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, as we look at what it means to store up treasure on earth, we need to understand the context that Jesus is speaking into. Now, remember, Jesus is still explaining how the righteousness of his disciples is supposed to surpass that of the Pharisees. Well, Jesus explains how the Pharisees practice storing up treasure on earth. The Pharisees believed riches were a sign of holiness. So they took every opportunity to get more wealth. You see, wealth back then was measured in three ways. Number one, clothing. Clothing that they had in their closet. See, most people in that day and age had one set of clothing, so it was valuable. A second way is grain. Grain stored in the barn. And then the third way is gold and precious stones hidden in their homes. Now, the Pharisees were greedy with their possessions because they believed wealth was a public symbol of their righteousness before God. The more wealth they had, the more pleased God must be with them. Now, where did they get this idea? Uh, is there a grounds for it biblically? Now, I don't know for sure, but I wonder. I wonder if their perception comes from their twisting of Deuteronomy chapter 28. You see, when the Lord had delivered Israel from Egypt and brought them to the edge of Canaan, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the Lord laid down some wonderful conditions for them to enter the land. And on the basis of those conditions being met, some wonderful promises were given to Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 to 2, the Lord promises, as they prepare to go into the promised land, here's what God says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all His commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth, and all these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. 
Now notice the connection there. If you do what God says, God blesses you. And how will the blessings come? Well, listen to verses 3 to 6. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land, and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. All the blessings were material. All the blessings were physical, tangible, visible, earthly blessings. What God is saying in Deuteronomy 28 is this, You obey me, Israel, and I will bless you visibly. I will bless you tangibly, materially, physically. Now contrast this with what will happen if Israel disobeys God's commands. Listen to what it says in verses 15 to 19. However, if you do not obey obey the Lord your God, and do not carefully follow all His commands and decrees I have given you today, all these curses will come on you, and they will overtake you. You will be cursed in the city, cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough, they will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed, and the crops of your land, and the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. Do you hear it? It's the opposite. So if material blessings are a sign of a person's obedience to God, then poverty was a sign of a person's disobedience to God. So for the Pharisees, if this is true, what is the best way to publicly show that you are obedient to God? Easy, to make treasures for themselves on earth. The more treasure they make for themselves on earth, the more they have to show off how blessed they are by God. Think of it this way. They could go around saying, look, look how much I have. God must see me as holy and righteous. Now in that context, listen to what Jesus commands in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now, what exactly is being forbid forbidden? Let's read that again, this time paying attention to who the treasures are being stored up for. Listen to what Jesus says. Do not store up for whom? Yourselves. You see, the, the Pharisees store up treasure for themselves, for themselves to show off God's pre preference for them. Uh, think about it this way. Let's pretend it's early on a weekday morning, and there's a Pharisee who goes to his closet to choose a robe to wear. And let's just pretend he has 10 robes in his closet, more than he could possibly wear in a week. Well, he finally chooses one, the one with gold thread. With pride, he puts on the robe. How blessed he is by God to have a garment made with gold. Well, he takes this garment of blessing, and he leaves his home to walk to work. And as he walks, he passes a peasant woman with three children who are hungry for food. Well, the Pharisee's robe of blessing could buy a year's worth of food for the woman and her, child, and her children. As the Pharisee gets closer to the temple, he passes a sick man who could easily be cured with medicine. But the man lacks the money 
to see the doctor and purchase the medicine. The Pharisee's robe of blessing could buy this sick man his health. Well, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and rust, that word rust, I think it could better be translated vermin. Think mice and rats, where moths and vermin destroy. Well, what's Jesus saying? Let's go back to our imaginary Pharisee. He returns home from a hard day's work, and he goes to his closet to take to hang up his robe made with gold. And as he does, he notices something odd about one of the other robes. There's a giant hole in the sleeve. Well, it's the same with the robe next to that one. The only difference is the moth is still busy eating the other robe. Well, to make matters worse, he sees on the floor a rat running to the corner with a string of gold in its mouth. Well, the Pharisee pushes the robes to one side of the closet to see where the rat is going, when to his dismay, to his horror, he finds a rat's nest in the corner made of the gold and wool from the Pharisee's robes. Why is that significant? Because from the Old Testament, the Pharisee knows that moths eating clothing, it's a sign of God's displeasure with his people. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 9 says this, See, the sovereign Lord is on my side. Who will declare me guilty? All of my enemies will be destroyed like old clothes that have been eaten by moths. Hosea chapter 5, verse 12 says, I will destroy Israel as a moth consumes wool. If the moths don't destroy the Pharisees' wealth, Look what else could in verse 19. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where thieves break in and steal. Now, this is referring to burglars that the Greeks called mud diggers. If a thief knew where your money or your precious possessions were in your house, they could literally dig through the mud wall and take your gold or your precious stones. The Pharisees' treasures will either be lost while they live or lost when they die. Treasures on earth never last. So here's the principle to consider. When God's people choose to invest in one thing, we make an intentional choice not to invest in something else. Think about that. When God's people choose to invest in one thing, we make an intentional choice not to invest in something else. So what's Jesus' advice? Look at verses 20 and 21. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Store up. Store up is to store away for future use. You see, there are actions that we can take on earth that are deposits for future rewards in heaven. Now, this isn't about earning salvation, but making an investment on earth that pays dividends in eternity. You see, in the New Testament, we learn that God will reward his disciples for doing good works. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8. Romans chapter 2, verses 6 and 10. 
We learn that God rewards his disciples for persevering under persecution. Luke chapter 6, verses 22 to 23. God rewards his disciples for showing compassion to the needy. Luke chapter 14, 13 to 14. God rewards disciples for treating enemies kindly. Luke chapter 6, verse 35. One commentator says, We lay up treasures in heaven by investing in God's causes and God's people. We store treasures in heaven by worshiping God, growing in knowledge and grace, and growing in love for God and neighbor. We store treasures in heaven by using money for kingdom causes, by giving money to the church, to missions, to Christian schools, to the poor. So what does it look like to store up treasure in heaven? Well, let's go back to the Pharisees, to the Pharisee and his walk to work. Imagine this time he leaves his home and he walks to work, and as he walks, he passes a peasant woman with three children who are hungry for food. Well, the Pharisee takes his robe of blessing and he buys a year's worth of food for the woman and her children. Don't worry, he still has nine robes at home. Well, as the Pharisee gets closer to the temple, he passes the sick man and he walks the man to the doctor and he purchases the medicine for the man. And the Pharisee's robe of blessing buys this sick man his health. And just like the good shepherd, just like, excuse me, just like the good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, the Pharisee gives the doctors two denarii and promises the doctor that he will return to reimburse the doctor for any extra expenses that he may have in caring for the sick man. Luke chapter 10, verse 35. Now, I want you to notice, even though generous, the Pharisee has plenty at home still. He has eight robes sitting in his closet still. But he's learned to be generous instead of greedy for more for himself. Now, what's different about this Pharisee? He chose to invest in people's lives by intentionally choosing not to invest in his own status on earth. When God's people choose to invest in one thing, we make an intentional choice not to invest in something else. From the choices we make with our money, where do our investments reveal our hearts to be? There are three ways to set our treasure in heaven where our hearts should be. Let me give them to you. Number one, pray. Pray. Pray for God to help. You live on less in order to give more to those who need it. That's a change of heart. That's changing our desire to want to have more. Look for organizations. When you pray, pray that God shows you Christian organizations who work with the poor or the struggling. I can ask you to consider watered gardens, cross lines, God's resort. As you pray, listen for and seek out the needs of your brothers and sisters in the church here at Blendville. Encourage them through generosity. Here's a second thing you can do. After you pray, participate. Look at your budget, your home budget. Look at your possessions. Are there luxuries you can sacrifice in order to have more resources to be generous with? Beyond your finances, Make a list of the talents that you have. Use your time in a way where you take control of your calendar to have more time to serve others. Investing your talents and your time to bring people closer to Jesus. And here's the third thing. Pray, participate, proclaim. 
Hear the word of the Lord. Listen to what God's word says. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says this. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? When God's people choose to invest in one thing, we make an intentional choice not to invest in something else. Here's the point, church. Train your heart to choose investments in the treasures of heaven.